I, I tell you, man, they, with Dune, like, they got that right out of the gate. Like, like I'd say it was, like, just after the op- box office opening weekend. They're like, by the way, we're doing a sequel, just to let you know. Nobody has learned from Peter Jackson. You know, <laughs> all the, nobody has looked at that and said, wow, this guy made three of the best movies ever made. Maybe we should try to follow in his footsteps. <laughs> Everybody's like, let's not do what Peter did. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should trust the creative uh, creative side a little bit. Oh, this guy got an A plus plus plus. I'm not going to copy off him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Oh boy. Well, speaking of A plus plus things, this is Infinity Rewatch, everybody. Ooh. Wow. In case you you just caught us in the middle of talking about Dune Part Two and Across the Spider Verse Parts One and Two, which are now things that we know exist and we're excited for. Because uh, the spice must flow, and uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And who are you going to call? Right? So, <laughs> I'm Andrew. What's up, everybody? As always, I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. And this is Infinity Rewatch, talking about Hawkeye Episode 4. So we're partners, right? That's the name of the episode. It's the first episode name that I remembered. Um, mm-hmm. Episode 4, Ryan. Going into it, what were you thinking? Okay, so going into it, I was hoping for a Kingpin reveal, but that's my own nerd fault for getting excited. Because to be fair, if they're it like that means that potentially if we're talking like what Loki did, then episode six is gonna be like the big Kingpin episode. Like it's gonna be nothing but Kingpin the entire episode. Mm-hmm. If it plays out that way. Um that being said. A lot of, I think with these like shows, because they're, because they're like soap operas, what's happening here is that all the chess pieces are being put into place. Like what, what's interesting now is that like Hawkeye's story is being really well established as a character now. And like, we know that, you know, that throughout his Ronin days, he like went out and wiped out a ton of gangs. But now in this particular story, you can't just thrust him into the story without taking the time for pieces to be set up. And that's what's happened here. Uh, and and it, don't be, don't get me wrong. I'd say the last 10 minutes are like beyond exceptional uh, for Hawkeye series. And I love that we're getting kind of like the New York brawler experience, but still, I would say the, this episode, the chess pieces are still being set up a little bit. This was the slowest episode for sure. Yes. Of the four. Yeah. And that's not to say it was bad, because it wasn't. It was just the slowest mm-hmm. one. Uh, and a lot of uh, conversation, a lot of uh, getting things into place, as you say. Um, I think that... I, I can't remember if I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat myself. And if you don't like it, there are other podcasts you can listen to. Um, not that we want you to go listen to them. We want you to stay here. Uh, stay there's here. a really good one called the Rebel Scum Podcast. Listen to that one. That's okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, I a big part of me wishes I had no idea about Kingpin at all, because mm. knowing about Echo's connection to him and hearing those rumors that he's going to show up, I feel like it's it's done something where it hasn't ruined anything for me. But it's really um, consumed the way I'm experiencing this show. Because uh, this whole episode four, the whole time, I can't stop thinking about him. It's, it's like 
being at work knowing you have a date with someone you really like after work. I'm like, you can't concentrate on work because all you're thinking about is like, I'm going to see her in like five hours. I'm so excited. Uh, I kept feeling that way where half of my brain was just focused on when's he going to come? When's he going to come? Is he really going to come? Am I getting my hopes up? And it's putting a damper on what I'm trying to do because I'm trying to just focus and enjoy the show for what it is. And yeah. I'm able to do that, but it's a it's an uphill battle, Ryan. I'm just like, I can't get the white suit and the Cuban cigars and the diamond tip cane out of my mind. And I'm feeling like it's really, it's really messing with my groove. So I'm trying to work extra hard to just enjoy the episode for its own merits. Mm. So forgive me if I've, if my notes feel like they're thinner than they usually would be. Uh, it, it might feel like I'm paying less attention to the show. That's not the case. I'm just struggling really hard knowing what's on the horizon. And you know, that's okay because there are a lot, this show is actually really well connected to the comics. There's a lot of nods to the comics here. Um, from what I did research on actually from the kind of nerd, nerd world, if you will, the Reddit world, which is where I, where I thrive, um, as, as a humble guest, at, you where I work thrive. in the Reddits, huh? I That's do, you. I do because, because honestly, that is where the most epic conversations of like comic book stuff take place. Like you know, that's where you get a lot of the stuff that in YouTube, of course. Um, so the interesting thing about the show is if you're right i think the problem is is that not only did we like say like oh my god kingpin is coming but there's been a lot of rumors that kingpin is coming like kingpin is coming and it it, it does distract you from genuinely what is an awesome show it's really good it's mm -hmm. it's a solid marvel experience in the sense that it not only takes from what has happened in the film universe but it's taking from the comics and it's meeting perfectly in the middle. And I can't stress that enough. So the reason why I bring this up is, is because, you know, we get this really nice moment of um, Hawkeye and uh, Kate talking about, you know, boomerang arrows, for example, and like doing the, the coin, the, the coin flip thing. And that, that could knock out somebody if he was like 20 yards away or whatever. Um, so that conversation happened exactly in the comics, except it was vice versa. It wasn't Kate who was suggesting the idea. It was Hawkeye who was suggesting the idea of boomerang arrows and oh, having wow. them come back. So, uh, and, and in the credits, they actually have as one of the consultants, Matt Fraction. And, and it's interesting too. And I mentioned the Reddit thing to kind of bring it full circle because fans were really upset. Fans have been really upset about this kind of show being like they should boycott it because, you know, they're not giving the the comic book people the respect they deserve. And they the the guy who wrote the comic is a consulting producer on the show. So it's there. Like it's now to be fair, like I can't get into the full nitty gritty thing because I don't know the full story, but he is there and he is telling and, and you could see the relation to the comic books there. In fact, uh, one of the things I noticed that people are suggesting is that coin, that coin thing that, that they do, that might actually end up being a critical move that might help somebody down the road of the show. So, um, I mean, you know, you could look at that as traditional foreshadowing in any kind of film experience, but, um, but yeah, that was a big comic book nod, uh, to, to an event that may, that could happen in the show. So 
It's a big one. And then the Boomerang Arrows direct from the comic books as well. So right now the show is doing, again, doing that perfect job of taking what's happened in the films and the comics and finding a beautiful middle ground and giving us another great Marvel series. And this has, again, like this continues my faith in the Disney Plus series, um, like living up to the movies, almost surpassing, if you will, almost. But it's well, they will when the Kingpin movies. shows up. Then it'll surpass. Oh them. yeah, no. no. Second Kingpin's there. That's it. Boom! It's done. Uh, I actually thought that coin was going to come into play this episode. I thought mm-hmm. like they would use it to get out of a situation. Uh, but you're right. It's still there's still plenty of time for them to use that coin trick. In fact, I'm figuring, you know, the button on that TV was so small that they were able to hit with that coin. Uh, All you got to do, you're fighting Echo. Echo's coming at you. She can't hear, but she can see. You flick that coin (laughs) in her eyes, boom. You take away another one of her senses. She's down. She's done. Yeah, that's it. But uh, so there's some interesting plot points here that we're still kind of learning about. So, you know, one thing I, I... uh, you know, one thing down the road I would love to do with the show is like we would lay out predictions of events and then and then as the show progresses, we'll have a bar. And as we hit like a one that's right, we'll like score a point or like just or like just cross it off the list and then see how many we cross off the list each time. I think that would be pretty fun. Ooh, interesting. Uh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So. So with this episode, there's some interesting plot points here going on. First of all, we're getting a little more background now with uh, Laura Barton, uh, who seems to now know more than one language, uh, which, you know, and on top of that, is Hawkeye telling her everything or does she know everything because she could be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent herself? Well, I know one of the languages she speaks is definitely the language of my heart. (laughs) because linda cardellini as soon as she opens her mouth my heart soars so that's that's she's trilingual at least uh i wouldn't be surprised man if she was a shield agent she's she's whip smart she's very capable lady she's multilingual she can do all these things that you know she's not um i like that she's not the the kind of character that hawkeye has to keep lying to you know, I, I I like that he's not like, sorry, honey, I'm caught up with work. I'll be there soon. I like that she's in on it with him. And now, you know, but she, that being said, that being said, you know, she seems overly comfortable. Like she seems well aware. Like you know, like like even if you were explaining this to somebody, they would still not get it to some degree. Like you know what I mean? Right. Like they would still be like, oh, I just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, but she's like beyond get it. Like she's, she's so like, she just knows the world. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because we got in this episode, uh, a little taste of the story of how Clint met Natasha Romanoff, mm-hmm. right? It's the shot he didn't take. Great little story about them, Love about it. their friendship. We've never heard how he met Laura. So maybe you know we don't know how long he was working at shield before we meet him in thor one maybe laura was there with him she was doing some shield things maybe she was an agent herself like colson uh you know it could have been any number of things and i wouldn't put it past her and i love that uh there's this beautiful moment here that's just 
it goes to show how sweet these two are. Um, Cause Hawkeye is not, he's not, he's not the most huggable Avenger, right? He, no. He's not a very approachable dude. Uh, that's just the nature of Hawkeye. But I love, they did something that a million shows like this have done. I, I name any show along the same vein and they have done it, but Hawkeye added one word and it changed everything and made it that much deeper is there's the moment where he, I think he gets in the elevator after he leaves uh, the mom's penthouse and mm-hmm. he texts Laura and he asks Laura to check up on something for him. Yeah. Uh, I think he says, check up on Jack Duquesne or something or, yeah. or Jack Duquesne's company, but he types, you know, check up on this thing, whatever, please. And that is so, you know, you don't expect Hawkeye to be dropping manners because again, that's not his style, but the fact that he, you know, his wife is part of it. She's his, you know, to quote Ned, his guy in the chair, she's looking stuff up for him. But the fact that he would say, please, is just this beautiful little nugget to remind us that these two love each other. They are partners. You know, this isn't random procedural sci-fi show. Number one, two, four, six, where the hero in the field texts the person in the chair and says, look up. Johnson and find out the warehouse where Johnson is like, it's just that one little moment that reminds you of the heart of these characters and Marvel's all about the heart. uh, And that's what separates it from the rest of the flock. So thank you. Whoever decided to have him say, please, because that says volumes. It does. It's the little character things that they built. Now we have Burton bird, Bernie who are kind of like the showrunners in terms of Directors. I'm always a big, big fan of uh, uh, a duo of directors, whether it be siblings or not. I what did you say their names were? Bert, Bert and Bertie. Oh, okay. I was thinking of Bert and Ernie for a second. <laughs> I almost said it that way, but it's Bert and Bertie. Hey, Bert, you yeah. wanna you wanna make the Hawkeye show with me, Bert? <laughs> but seriously actually uh, uh according to uh one of one of the the news source sites i follow um they're uh, being asked uh to to uh, or sorry they're in negotiations for directing another marvel project already so. oh good for them that's awesome yeah i'm i'm really happy for them as well i mean i i mean nothing will beat the russos what the russos did to the marvel universe just love the russos but yes you're right uh but it does speak volumes to the character and and I think this time around, especially, you know, again, bringing that theme of like movies and comics and finding that perfect middle line. I think that this show does an incredible job of just, again, trying to keep it as comic as close to the comics as it can be while staying true to the, the what what ground they've made with the movies. So it's I'm kind of repeating myself here, but you've got to really appreciate the little details that they that they are doing with this experience. Um, so, so there's a couple big things going on here. So first of all, we have the story around the watch. Now, what we've learned in this particular episode is that Laura knows quite a bit about the watch mm-hmm. and we know it's vintage and we know it will, it can, and has the potential to reveal location of a character and we don't know who uh, it's the, and, uh, and, you know, Hawkeye says, quote, um you know that person will be revealed and they'll be dead and that will be it um so who could that be don't know uh it could be stark unlikely 
uh, not only just story-wise, but just politically, <laughs> money-wise. Uh, could be Steve Rogers. Don't know why, though. Um, but yeah, Laura seems to know a bit about it. So that's kind of an interesting little nugget there. Yeah, it's somebody Hawkeye knows. Did he, I feel like he specified, did he say it was a he or a she? When he's talking I don't think he person. did. I don't think he did specify. I think he said they. Okay. All right. Or so them. it could be anybody. Um, it's a Rolex, as far as I know, a real yep. Rolex. So it's somebody with cash to burn. All right. Or could be a gift, though. Could be a gift. That is true. Um, mm-hmm. It could literally be like somebody, maybe Fisk, I don't know, gave it as a gift to a person to try to look congenial because that's what Kingpin does. He looks like he's an upstanding member of society. Then he goes and he gives the police commissioner this really nice Rolex that has maybe a tracking fob in it so he can find out where the police commissioner is at all times. So it could be that kind of thing. Like, oh, you're... Uh, you're somebody who's friends with the Avengers or whatever, mm. you know, Hawkeye. Let me give you this watch and just hang on to that. It's a nice watch. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really curious again, because we don't know. Uh, we've not seen Hawkeye um, admit closeness with anybody aside from his family and Matt. So yeah. Natasha's gone. The family's it's clearly the Rolex doesn't belong to Laura or any of the kids. So who, who's risked that fall off, Ryan? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, but there is some semblance of importance to, uh, to this whole thing. So I'm curious, I'm curious as well, who this is going to be belong to. Uh, I don't know though, if this is just something to drive the narrative and it's going to kind of flop, just kind of, you know, be thrown away later on. Uh, not that I've, I don't know, because like if we look back at Loki and like look at look back at uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and even WandaVision, was there something or or even what if was there something that kind of threw us off the trail for a while and didn't really lead to anything? Um, Ralph like Bonner. what if? <laughs> yeah, exactly right, like Quicksilver. And yeah. uh, so I don't know if this watch is really going to have to do much of anything, but I mean people are talking about it, which is interesting. Um, the other thing that was interesting, so at the very beginning of the show, when uh, Clint meets Laura and Jack, or Jacques, or whatever his name is. Oh, not Laura. Um, um, what's the mom's name? Or Eleanor. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Eleanor makes a call and yes. was seeming really concerned about safety for uh, safety for Kate. Uh, and staying alive. Now she feels protected. Uh, she she seems to feel protected by un- an unknown source. So yes, obviously this could be Kingpin. I mean, it, it could be easily a Kingpin out. Um, I have a feeling. I have a feeling though we might get a continued story with um, with uh, Valentina. Hey, I'm always up for seeing more Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like you don't have to twist my arm. Uh, but I actually did a bit of detective work here, Ryan. Uh, Ooh. If you listen closely to the dial number, like when she's dialing, you listen closely to the tones that she's dialing, you figure no, out you what didn't. number she's calling. No, She's calling didn't. Christine Everhart. No. <laughs> oh, I tricked you. I tricked you into thinking this was something real. 
gotta let it go. Jeez, man. You, this you is the run on joke that's gone too far. This is the this is the why is the rum gone joke. It'll <laughs> it'll go thing. too far when she's a nihilist. Then <laughs> then, then we'll have reached the point of no return. Uh, you texted me during the episode to say that uh, Jack is is really sleazy as he's dancing away with Eleanor there. Yeah, and I gotta admit, as sleazy as he is, I was a little bit charmed by the fact that he apparently doesn't know <laughs> these everyday idioms. Uh, and even Kate was just kind of laughing. It looks like it it kind of won her over a bit. Uh, so whether or not Jack is just BSing everybody, and he very well possibly could be, uh, he's doing a good job of it. He is. So, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he ends up being an innocent party in all this and it really is Eleanor behind everything, because I still trust her less than I trust Jack. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, I agree. I mean, Jack is just that mustache just makes you just makes you not trust him. You know, that's what it is. That's what it I is. think you should grow that kind of mustache, nice and bushy, <laughs> just kind of with the flare. Yeah, my uncle, my uncle had a mustache like that actually. Um, and uh, on my, it's funny because my dad's side of the family, all the 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 sons look identical, and so <laughs> I actually, if you if you look at a photo of my dad and his brothers. Like I fit that look and description. Like they, we all look the same. Essentially. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um. Anyway, so that's why I do. I could do the mustache thing if I wanted to. He's like Django um, and you're Boba. Thanks. <laughs> that's it. Uh. Anyway, so yeah. So Jack. Uh. Jack. I'm curious though if my like if we're talking like what I was talking about earlier with my ideas. Uh. One of the ideas. I think that story is going to play out is I'm curious if Jack is going to have a history with Hawkeye in some way, shape or form. Mm, well, I know from what you told me that the swordsman trained Hawkeye a lot and uh, mm -hmm. you know, there was that whole backstory he, between them. He could have been the original Ronin. He could have been, he could have been. Um, I, I still think it's very possible. He was the Ronin that uh, Echo saw in the fat man garage there. But yeah. from what I remember hearing, I read this somewhere, they are completely, uh, like Feige and company are completely ignoring that aspect of Swordsman's character. The whole, mm. um, I, and the whole I agree. One. Yeah, I agree because to me, when, when I first heard about that relationship between him and Hawkeye, it felt too much like Matt Murdock and Stick. It was yeah. just too similar. And I'm like, I don't want to see this story again. Mm -hmm. especially if it's happening in a street level New York story where Kingpin might be involved. It's too similar. So I'm glad that they threw that away and just completely eschewed it for something else. Uh, because it's, uh, frankly, it, I like this better. I like this weird stepdad thing he's got going on and we don't know if he's good or bad. I like this better than if, you know, at the end of season or at the end of episode three, rather, if he would have been like, come on, Kate, we got to go see the guy who taught me everything I knows. He'll know what to yeah. do. No, why? No. So, yeah, keep keep it as it is. This is a okay. very nice change that they've made. That's fair. So I want to talk fair. to you about these LARPers for a second. <laughs> yeah. So Kate goes up to the LARPers to uh, begin her fetch quest. Uh, and this woman that she meets, the LARPer woman, I wish I could remember her name. I should have written it down. Um, 
she might be the most trusting human being on the face of the earth. Like some girl just walks up to you with a bow and arrow and says, Hey, I'm Hawkeye's friend. Trust me. Can you please jeopardize your job to steal some things from the evidence lockup so that I can. Oh, you're talking about Wendy, Wendy, uh, Wendy Wendy Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. And Wendy's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like, I'm like, that could be, this could be anybody. You don't know who this girl is. You don't know who Kate, Kate could just be a crazy person. She crazy person at best, a liar and a villain at worst. Uh, and no, no, you see, you got it wrong because she wears purple. Clearly, you're going to identify that she knows Hawkeye. I mean, <laughs> you, you trumped me with that one, but I mean, does, that, <laughs> does that mean that the biggest Teletubby knows Hawkeye too? So if I walk up to him, he's like, ooh, I'm a Hawkeye's friend. If he said he knew Hawkeye, yeah, or they, or whatever pronoun they're assigned themselves. I feel but, like she, uh, just, she, she gave, to get those arrows out of lockup, could get her in trouble, could put her job in jeopardy. And she was willing on a dime to do that for this stranger off the street. Like this lady would trust Bakudo. Like th- this is, okay, maybe not, maybe I took that I mean, Steel far. Serpent does wear purple. That's his, that's his color as well. Yeah. I, I apologize to Wendy. Nobody is stupid enough to trust Bakudo. I, I, <laughs> Wendy would see through that yeah. in a heartbeat. You know, like... Let, let's uh, let's do a bit of role play right now. You be Wendy. I'll be Bakudo. Okay. Excuse me. Are you a LARPer? Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh. I am. I have I have a, a favor I'd like to ask, if that's all right. What is it? I'd like you to steal some things from me, but trust me. I'm I'm a good person. You're doing it for a good reason. <laughs> let me ch- let me uh, cross check your criminal background. Arrested. That's how it go down. Because she knows better. Everybody would know better. <laughs> well, actually, she is a comic book character as well, uh, Wendy Crawford. Oh wow. She uh, she is a villain who uh, takes on Hawkeye, uh, and and she's proficient in juggling explosives juggling explosives yep how does one become proficient at that before <laughs> they die <laughs> uh great question but it i uh, you mean i guess you know safety's always on and you just um practice makes but, perfect and you can't practice without a few flubs now and then it's it's true it's true but uh, fun fact is the giveaway is later on she brings the bag of trick arrows and in that bag of trick arrows, or sorry, on the bag of trick arrows is embroidered her name Bombshell. And that's that's her comic book uh, alias is Bombshell. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I like nice that. Little, okay. Nice little check mark there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the LARPers are fun. I, I think it's it's I think it's a fun approach of what they're doing. And why I think it is, is because it's another fun way to introduce how superheroes get their outfits, right? Like Iron Man, you know, Iron Man, the first movie, you actually see him designing his outfit. Spider-Man, you kind of just in the MCU world, he kind of has the the hoodie and the the sweatsuit, let's say. He, He has the sweatsuit, but Stark just gives him his suit. And then... And then it only in Far From Home do we see him actually manufacture his new suit. Uh, right. And it was cool because you saw him use the, uh, use the machine. You saw different iterations of the suit. 
put it all together. You're not a fan of that suit. I personally like it. I mean, black and red, it's a nice touch, especially with the fingers being all red and the hand being all black. It's super cool. Oh. Um, Cap, Cap, we got to see him ask Howard to make him a suit, uh, which was really nice. But yeah, it, I think this was kind of a cool way to introduce like another way of how heroes get their outfits. Yeah, the LARP is a great outlet for that. Uh, and I can only hope that when the time comes, they come up with a good way of giving Wolverine his outfit. Because Ooh. as much as I love Hugh Jackman, I'm tired of seeing Wolverine in plain clothes. You get some blue and yellow on that man or some brown and orange. I don't care. Well, we got a taste of it in in Wolverine, the movie, uh, yeah. the solo movie there. We got a taste of the uh, the yellow and black, which was a nice touch. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that if they're going to do Wolverine in this in this MCU world, I think we need to see a little more interaction with Department H and then have them kind of give them di- different iterations of the suit. Yes. Oh, I'll be so happy the day I see that suit on screen. Mm-hmm. Not as happy as I'll be when I see a certain white tuxedo, but uh, close enough. I mean, um, yeah, you want Clint Barton. Oh, yeah. Clint Barton, Ryan, has mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder. We, we see that pretty clearly this week. Um, and I think it was beautifully filmed uh, where Kate goes to bed and Clint just kind of sits back in his armchair takes out his hearing aid. We lose sound because he loses sound. He becomes blurry and we just see him flashing through all the horrific events he's been through since, I guess, ever since joining the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a very human look at arguably the most human Avenger, how, uh, how much all of this has affected him. And even the little thing like the hearing aid, that's, new to the show like he hasn't had that in the mcu up until now but it makes sense you know when there's no crazy one thing that is the reason he wears that when when kate's like why do you have a hearing aid we see just the reason it's years of physical toll being exacted on his body and you can't exact physical toll on somebody's body without doing the same to their mind so we get a man who is not uh not the healthiest man I mean, even though he got his family back, he had to go through that trauma of losing them for five years being Ronan. So uh, what do you think of the way they handled that little slice of, of Hawkeye's misery this week? I, I love it. Honestly, I think that I think what these shows have been doing for the characters is just absolute genius. I, I think that I not only do we're, not only are we getting kind of a, a fuller picture of Hawkeye, but like the more time we get to spend with him, the more he cements himself as like one of the legendary Avengers. Like it just, it's perfect. Um, Seeing that traumatic event really gives more gravity to Endgame, And, and I think as we still move further away from Endgame, the fact of how real the consequences are makes for better storytelling. I think it it really it really makes you like because imagine heaven forbid but imagine someone new to the marvel world and just hasn't spent the time going through the entire infinity saga and literally they're starting on this phase now um you know they they'll be like well like automatically you're gonna have this moment of like well what happened Hmm. 
and and clearly you know it's bad like you know it's bad but it i think what i love about it is if you fast forward like 10 years from now and you know like let's say like let's say you have a kid or i have a kid or like whatever right like we meet someone who hasn't seen it and they jump in now the fact that they're focusing on the events and the consequences that happen to these characters drives up that like well what happened like what this is serious like something bad happened and then it makes you go back and then want to watch it right like and that to me is is perfect especially too because eventually for us like yes like for us fans like you know i've i've watched the infinity saga like 20 times like i I know the story but it is going to get to a point where that story will feel fresh enough to go back and rewatch it all over again and then go through the whole thing because and and it's because of these consequences and 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 that just makes you just want to go yes let's let's go back let's watch it see what happened yeah they're really good at making sure the stakes are always present and mm-hmm. that the stakes follow through at in infinity war tony is still feeling the uh the PTSD that he felt from the end of Avengers one, right? He's still reeling from that. Uh, And that's, you know, three movies later in just that one little sub series alone, not to mention everything that's happened in between. So, and and Kate, Kate is a a prime example. Kate is her origin story was Avengers one. We, we got to see that, you know, battle of Manhattan wrecked her beautiful house. Uh, That's the last time she saw her father. So Vulture, his origin story was Avengers 1. We're this late in the game and it's still, the consequences are still happening. And what's great about that is, like you're saying, you can go back and rewatch from movie one. And even though we've come a long way, it doesn't feel like you're sitting there just thinking, oh, I can't wait till we get to the important stuff like you would with other big franchises, right? You can go back and watch, you know, I, I don't know, Fast and the Furious part one you'll be like, okay, so when do we get to the part where they're cracking safes, right? Like it's so far removed from what it is now uh, that you don't feel like what's happening there has had much of an effect on what's happening now. But with this, it's a whole different ballgame. And the more they make, the more everything is going to feel that much more inclusive so, like, I hope, uh, you know, the Miss Marvel show, for whatever reason, makes me look back at Guardians 2 and say, like, oh, Guardians 2 is the reason why Miss Marvel exists. And I'm so, like, it's, I'm, that's probably not going to be the case. But, you know, anything like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank, thank God Ant-Man 1 happened because that leads directly into the events of Shang-Chi 3. So I'm yeah. really glad they did that. Uh and those I guarantee are... you, I guarantee you, before you finish that thought, I guarantee you that She-Hulk, they're going to make reference to Avengers when he had the discussion about, about the Hulk being uh, hope for humanity. And that scene with him Ooh. and Tony, I guarantee you that's, that's going to be one of the things that will be brought up in that story. As, as, is Jennifer Walters is going to get in an accident and they're going to be like, we need a blood transfusion. And he'll be like, and he'll he'll flash back to that conversation he had with Iron Man. He's like, you think Hulk's some knight in shining armor? Like, you know, like that's cute. 
Like, but that's what's going to happen is that he's going to have to save her and that's going to be the reference, guaranteed. Beautiful. I'm down for that. I'm down yeah. for that. Even Moon Knight, something like none of these will exist in a vacuum. Something right. that happens to what, what's Moon Knight's name? His real name? It's Mark Spector. Mark Spector. Yeah, so whatever happens to Mark Spector, he's an NYC guy too, I think. So yep. the Battle of Manhattan touched him in some way. Uh, yep. There is something in his life that led to him becoming Moon Knight that we can thank the other movies for. So to to keep that presence all throughout is not easy, but damn, are they ever good at it. And I just hope they never stop doing it. I mean, yeah, I, I hope so too, because because we are now, like Marvel has their Rosetta Stone and the Rosetta Stone is the Avengers series. Like Avengers 1, or sorry, yeah, Marvel's Avengers, Age of Ultron, uh, Avengers, uh, Infinity War, and Endgame. That's like the Rosetta Stone of the Infinity Saga. You missed and Annihilation. All, every... <laughs> Almost had me. Almost. Um, but yeah, so... But like, those events now are so big. And like, and they were because... And that's that's why Eleanor, you know, bringing it full circle back to the show, Eleanor says, oh, is she dealing with an Avengers-level threat? The language has now been set that, like, yes. if something that big is going on and the Avengers have to deal with it, then that's like that's like Omega, like that's an Avengers level threat. So, so like that's serious, like that's epic. Like if Avengers are dealing with it, that's bad. Like that's like you know world-ending stuff. Uh, so that's that's really awesome to me, and I, I agree with you. I think that the more stories now. Like, and that's, that's the kind of the beautiful thing of making origin stories feel kind of fresh is because what makes it fresh is that we're getting a new character. And, and also what makes it fresh is that we're, they're referring to events we've seen. So now we have a resonance with those events and connects us to that character. Yes. So go for it. Yes. Uh, and the, the comment Avengers level threat really tickled a little part of my brain because that is something that it, it's a phrase that is used by fans and to finally hear it spoken aloud in the actual mm -hmm. show was really neat uh, because it, it's kind of like, uh, I don't even know if there's like a, a another example of this, but I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it's such a fan world phrase to be like, what's the next Avengers level threat? Or uh, we're only going to get the Hulk when it's an Avengers level threat, etc. So to have Eleanor just drop that, um, and in such a fun way that it tells us that things like the snap, the blip, and now this phrase have become part of the world's vernacular because they've been dealing with all of this for so long. Uh, and they're going to keep permeating the world with things that happen i guarantee you it's only a matter of time before we really start to hear a lot of people even in these street level things bring up the fact hey there's a giant man made out of rock who just burst out of the pacific ocean that's a thing mm -hmm. right yeah. like it's only a matter of time so they're really in the same way that this franchise has kind of taken over the world of entertainment it's going to take over that world with what is going on in the lives of these people. 
And it's going to become so popular that people like Eleanor are going to start using phrases like Avengers level threat. And it's just that much yeah. more realistic. And people with these Thanos was right mugs. I'm sure those will be available on store shelves, store shelves soon because it's like that looked too, it looked like something you would find at EB games that Thanos was right. Mug. Like it was too well manufactured. Um, so let me ask you a question here. As the episode comes to its conclusion, somebody shows up in a very skin-tight suit, which I appreciated, and she fights with Hawkeye, and um, then she takes off mask, and who is underneath? That's right. We had the drop of the beautiful yet ass-kicking Florence Pugh as Yelena, whose last name I can't ever pronounce. Uh, but, uh, but you know, what's interesting is that, that outfit is a comic accurate outfit. I mean, minus a couple of details, but over, overall it's, it's the very same outfit that she wore in the comics. Um, in the comics, what ended up happening was she was presumed dead. And then when they reintroduced her as a character, she had the green goggles and a black stealth suit. Um, so it was really nice to see that. I loved it. The fight scene was gorgeous. And what's interesting too is like, if you're, how do I say this? If you're on the outside as a Marvel fan, like if you're a casual Marvel fan, the way she fights gives her away. Um, she does the same, almost the exact same leg sweep she does in Black Widow and she moves the exact same way. Um, and so this is what's interesting about this fight scene. So the stakes are high. Um, we go into Maya's apartment and, uh, you know, we get to see the, the kind of alarm system, um, you know, kind of alarm system she has and that whole thing. And I love that during the fight, she's like, oh, you know, Maya's here. Oh, thanks for telling me. And they're like, oh yeah. Like, and then she's like, yeah, I'm fighting with her right now in the apartment. And he's like, wait, then who am I fighting? Like, I, <laughs> I kind of love that kind of humor, but, um, uh, the fighting was, was, was amazing as someone who appreciates a good fight scene. Uh, and what I loved about it was what I loved about the fight was at the end, uh, or sorry, when, uh, there's a couple of storytelling moments throughout the fight scene. And I've, I have a book on like fight scenes and like how to tell a story through a fight and they do it in this one perfectly. Uh, first one that gives it away and it's a beat. It's a quick beat is, um, Kate, uh, gets in front of Hawkeye and and uh, Yelena looks at her and just shakes her head ever so softly and it's so Ooh. quick uh, and she's like nope and then the fight scene and Maya gets a hold of Clint and uh, Yelena, uh, Yelena punches out Maya and goes after Clint uh, and then goes that way so it's a it's kind of a weird three way fight when Kate goes over uh goes over the building uh and falls they actually play the same music uh to a slightly different note uh a lower note uh that was the same music of widow falling yes that's right so that was really cool and then uh we also see her kick off the gun and makes it fall down the alleyway there uh that was a move she did and uh kate did in the i think it was the second episode uh, so that was interesting as well. So it's a beautiful fight scene that tells volumes in the story, uh, thus far. 
Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I think it's awesome. I want to see these characters more and more in like movies and shows and movies and shows. Like the more I see them coming in and out, the more I'm happy. Like, yes, give me, give me all that. Two questions about this fight scene. Um, first of all, you're a, a video game guy. Did you also think that in her costume there, Yelena looked a lot like Sam Fisher from Siphon Filter? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was a good costume. But again, it, I, I would also argue no, because that was her comic book outfit. So, Oh, okay. So the you heard it here first, man. everybody. Ryan is saying Siphon Filter is officially Marvel canon. And That's uh, <laughs> if you disagree, you can tweet him at Crusader Online. Uh, <laughs> and the second question I have for you is, um, is this the first time in, in the MCU that you have had a fight scene where there are three different parties involved, three different sides, each side with a different goal. Is this the first time that's happened? Mm, I want to say no, I don't think so. But in the end, I think you're right. Because <laughs> it's, it made me. So excited. It gave me that little spark of joy when they cut to him and he's like, well, who am I fighting? And I see, you know, the outfit and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I realized that's got to be Yelena. That's the only person it could be. And yeah. it, it hit me with this little hint of dopamine, just like we have these, these two fights going on. And in any other situation, in any of these shows or films, that person who would have snuck up on Hawkeye would have been Kazi or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Or like somebody who works with Echo or a tracksuit guy, whatever. It would have just been one of the other grunts that that's part of her. Yeah, side. but you're, you're you're talking specifically about three different factions. Yes, with three different goals. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say technically no, but technically yes, because technically no, because in Sang Chi there was the fight between the Mystics, uh, and then the Mandarin and the Protectors. Okay. Wait, so the protectors are the dragons, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, no, no, sorry. The protectors are like the one that have the, the great protector, the one dragon. And they have the special like dragon weapons. Then there were the demon dragons that were the bad ones. And they had the, they had the fight. And then they had Mandarin's dudes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you have a little, little army thing technically, going on there. Technically, but... This is the first time where a fight scene where it's like three different people from three different parties with three different agendas all going at it at once. Yeah. And that made me really happy. That gave me some really serious uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. Dead Man's Chest vibes, uh, which is still to this day the best Pirates of the Caribbean. Fight me on that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that So I was a little bit sad that it ended so abruptly after that because I, I wanted more of those four characters interacting. But I mean, You're not going to get it. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yeah, uh, gotta wait till next week. Uh. So it's strange that Yelena is here so late in the game. We, she still has not said a word. We got two episodes left to deal with her, to deal with the watch, to deal with Jack, to deal with Eleanor, to deal with Echo, and to maybe, hopefully, dear God, please deal with Mr. Big Willie. Um, what are you feeling? What is What are these last two episodes going to be? I honestly, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, like I said, my faith is, is not, I wouldn't say restored because it's the wrong word, but it's, 
reaffirmed uh, with this uh, with this series. Uh, it's perfect. It's just it's perfect. It's, I couldn't ask for more. Um, what am I hoping for? Give me the the rumor is is episode five is going to be the big kingpin one. Um, says who? And, says the internet. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So, but to be fair. You know, with these rumors, they're either they're fifty percent right or they're fifty percent wrong. So it's it's always fifty fifty. Um, so I again, you're right. Like my focus is still on seeing Kingpin, but if you take that element away, like if you strip Kingpin away, I'm just happy for the ride. Give yeah. me trick arrows. They've made Hawkeye look badass. They give him they give him a great backstory and. And gave gave him a great story with Kate Bishop, and I love Haley. I think Haley's a, a great new Marvel hero, and and Maya. Oh my God! Like, oh, what a character, uh, Aliqua. Uh, she's she's amazing. Fun fact: she's not even an actor. This is her first gig. For real? Wow. First gig. Okay. Well, she's doing a great job, and I, I think we still have seen so little of her too mm-hmm. that I'm waiting for the moment. Because clearly there was a moment when they were filming or writing or both when somebody looked at her and what she was doing on camera and said, this needs to be its own show. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that moment because we, I don't feel like we've gotten that yet. Uh, So I feel like five is going to be a big thing for her, a big, uh, a big episode for her. And then six will tie up everything with, with Kate and Clint uh, mm-hmm. So I think five is going to be the Echo episode. So that makes sense if it's also the Willie episode because he's he's a big part of her life. Um, and next week also is the week of Spider-Man. So it's literally going to be a one-two punch. It's going to be Hawkeye and then some guy we don't care about in tights, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what a week that will be. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster of excitement. I'm so excited. Is there anything that 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 could happen in this show or in that movie next week that will make you cry? Uh, I think I think it's not even like I think it's like tears of joy. Yes. Like I I think I think what will make me cry is the end of a Spider-Man trilogy in the in the MCU. That's that's what will make me have an emotional moment right at the end because the fact of the matter is is like if you fat if you rewind back to before civil war that was like that was a fantasy like if you again if 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 i went back in time and told my younger self don't worry spider-man's gonna be the mcu i would be like no you're blind why would you tell me such a terrible lie i wish i could time travel to like 1995 and show you civil war show little ryan civil war i wonder what he would do I, I think you'd just run around like you would start running and you would never stop. You would just be like, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like both of like both our younger selves, they're just like, it's so hard to believe. Right. And, mm-hmm. and like the fact of the matter is even like Kingpin's another perfect example. Like you told me like, oh yeah, this Dare- the Netflix Daredevil is going to be its own thing and it's never going to really mesh with it. I would have agreed with you. My younger self would have been like, yeah, no, totally get it. Um, but now I'm hearing that, you know, it's, it's a possibility that we, we are now getting Kingpin officially in the MCU. 
I'm game. Give me Daredevil. Give me Kingpin. Give me Karen Page. Give me them all. I won't break out the uh, the streamers and confetti till I see them on screen, but mm-hmm. I really do think it's only a matter of time. And I'm really fighting myself hard to make sure that I do what you just eloquently said, Ryan, and just be along for the ride. Because that's what's important here. And I have to keep sight of that. Um, it's it's very hard to, you know, you see the, the Emerald City looming in the distance. It's hard to take your eyes off that and appreciate just the beauty surrounding you on the yellow brick road as you get there. So I have to put myself in that mindset and, you know, keep reminding myself, yeah, this is a beautiful show. It's a Christmas show. It's wonderful. There's so much great stuff happening. It's colorful. I love these characters. And I, I need that to add to the joy so that when I get to Emerald City, I'm already overwhelmed with joy uh, instead of just staring at it and ignoring everything around me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to do an even better job of that next week. And luckily, we don't have to wait too much longer because that city is getting closer every day. Ryan, where can people find you when you're not podcasting with me? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online and find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. And then don't forget, you can find me on Twitch representing Xbox Canada at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. I know all the secrets of Xbox that Ryan told me, and I'm going to say them right now. Yep, that's all of them. Why would you do that? Ah, now everybody knows. Now the ball is in Nintendo's court. Uh, (laughs) That's it. That's it. uh, You can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Andrew Fantasia and right here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. Uh, December is a busy time for Rebel Scum. We have videos coming out almost every day during the holidays. And speaking of holidays, our holiday special, the Infinity Rewatch holiday special, is going to be coming along in a, less than two weeks. I think we want to probably get down to recording that. So look for that mm-hmm. soon. We'll be ranking the MCU. And let me tell you, I've, I've got four out of six of the lists that I need. Uh, still waiting for Brock and Anna. So Brock and Anna, if you're listening, hustle. Uh, get going. Get going. We all know Thor the Dark World is number one. That's a given. Just keep, keep the risk going. Uh, but... The the list so far, I love how different they are. Uh, it speaks volumes. I love that there is not one Empire Strikes Back movie that everybody puts at number one when it comes to this series. I love how, how varied it is. We are a cornucopia. We're a jelly belly bag of 10,000 flavors and everything. is. It's, I'm so excited to share these lists with everybody. So look forward to that. Uh, and some other holiday goodies along the way right here on RSPN. So until next week, when arrows and webs will be flying all over New York City, God help us. If you live in New York or the area, just please cover your head. Walk in a crouch or something. But until then, have a marvelous day.